Hello and welcome to Character Canon. I'm Michelle. And I'm Matt. And today we are going to be talking about Avatar The Last Airbender. A couple of the characters that we want to cover in this podcast are going to be, obviously, Aang, Zuko, Katara, Sokka, and Toph. And possibly some mystery guests that I haven't told my sister about. I can't be surprised. I've seen the whole series. I know who all the characters are. Uh, so we'd like, before we begin, we'd just like to preface this by saying this is episode one, which means we might be a little bit uh, silly, off topic, or uh, not very good at this. Please bear with us. We're trying. <laughs> we are definitely going to try our best. All right. So, so let's get right into it. Okay. Well, actually, first, oh, first, okay. I, I have to ask the geeky question about oh, this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Geeky question of the day. Right. So what type of bender would you be, man? Um ideally or actually both all right ideally oh gosh i'm super into firebenders and earthbenders like i think they're really neat i think they've got the best stuff going for them um i uh, according to several quizzes i've taken uh across the vast internet i'm a waterbender but that's probably oh really that's probably my last choice if i'm being perfectly honest although uh rewatching the show recently has made me have a new appreciation for airbenders I've been watching, um, I haven't been watching on Netflix. There's actually an Amazon edition of Avatar The Last Airbender that comes with extras that have little tidbits from the producers and directors of the show. And I, I'm not, about, I've not been watching that. They talk a lot about the content of the show and decisions that they made and things that aren't really discussed in the series a little bit. And there's a lot of fun nonsense as well. And one of the things they bring up is that airbenders, and this is something demonstrated in the show, airbenders... Uh, use airbending to assist all of their natural movements so they're naturally faster quicker more agile than other people and that's a neat concept like you see ang jump down cliffs all the time in the series but you don't really think about it like that's just something he can do he's not actively bending air and i think that's neat i think it's a really cool concept and it makes me it makes me appreciate them more on a on a deeper level yeah honestly i would have pegged you as an airbender uh it's fun i you know i i would say that i i prefer to avoid conflict and stuff but i also think i fall into like a stubborn category of an earthbender i don't really think i have the temper of a firebender or anything but uh i i like firebending so <laughs> fair enough, uh, fair enough. where do you think you fall um i definitely think my personality lends itself to firebender okay i but ideally i think the most useful bending is water bending what? just because i just feel like the amount of times it can be used for things and the fact that you can bend it not just as water but can make it into steam or ice that is that's fair that's that's really cool all Mm -hmm. the other elements you can't really do that i mean you have to be able to actually be a lightning bender or be a metal bender whatever but for water it's like you can just turn the water into something else you could freeze someone to a freaking tree like that's really that's cool they, they do do that canonically uh actually i i exactly. had a, i had a friend i told a friend i was complaining that i was a waterbender and they said to me that uh but you could bloodbend people um spoilers uh and i uh oh yeah this there will be so many spoilers in this podcast if you don't want spoilers just don't listen yeah honestly you should probably have watched the entire avatar the last airbender series if you're tuning into this podcast possibly some legend of korra but non-specifically um yeah we will probably reference korra from time to time oh and i will probably spoil some things that are not featured in either series but instead in comics that are canon uh don't worry about it it's fine um, as long as it's canon, that's what matters to me. It's canon, hence the name of the show. Um, but um, what were we talking about? I don't remember. I'm lost. 
Uh, oh, waterbending. Yeah, a friend told me uh, bloodbending would be cool. And I said, honestly, I'd prefer the ability to heal people. True. No, like, same. That's, that's a great trait of waterbending that I think is really fun. And also strange, considering the context of the series later, they describe firebending as life. And they don't get any cool flame healing or anything, which I think would be kind of neat. Um, but I don't know. It's, it's interesting. It's crazy. Um, how would how would flame healing work? I don't, how does water healing work? It's just like ooh, it glows. It's speaking of Korra and spoilers. They say that uh, Katara is like the best healer in the world at some yeah. point during Korra, and I'm like, really? I was like, isn't it just healing? Is there really much more of a science to it than that? I mean, there has to be, right? Like because I, there they, has to be. You know, I there has to be an extent to which some people can just naturally be bend, better at bending than other people, and they don't really talk about it that much. But I. I assume there's some kind of spirituality aspect to it that isn't really discussed hugely in the series. Um, I also think it has something to do with um, experience as well as just how hard you're willing to work. Cause sure. I think, I think Toph, for example, is someone who really, really wanted to work hard because this was a new extension of herself and was able to do it, focus it more because of her blindness that I think that other earthbenders could reach that level if they really wanted to. But I mean, Aang did. Right. Well, yeah, and top, and I think all the metal benders that come later have to reach this certain level of earth bending because you have to be, in my opinion, a really good earth bender to get to metal bending. Well, actually, they they talk about that in Korra as well. That certain people just aren't capable of metal bending. Right. This right. Like Zuko isn't of... capable of lightning bending. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, that's not true. Um, okay, is, you're right. That's not true. Incredibly capable of lightning bending. He just simply wasn't able to in the series due to the nature of his inner conflict, um, which we'll talk about a bit because I do want to bring that up when we talk oh, about Oh, for something. sure, for sure, for sure. So why don't we move on yeah, past all this and we'll right, get right, into right. Avatar Aang. Avatar Aang. Oh, man. What a, what a guy. What a, a, very, what, a, what a 12-year-old boy. <laughs> what a 12-year-old boy. Uh, <laughs> he, I, I feel like Aang, uh, in my opinion of him, I, I often undersell main characters in a mm. series. Uh, oh, you, you got Harry Potter who just sucks. Yeah, I hate him. Uh, <laughs> like, I, I often don't really feel much about the main character. I often care far more about other characters mm-hmm. in the show. I, I like Aang. He's definitely not like my favorite main character in the universe or anything. He's a great dude. Um, yeah. We, we really see this, this change in him as he goes from you know, goofy, nonsensical kid to slightly less goofy, nonsensical kid. Uh, I wouldn't say his character arc is massive, uh, but he does deal with a lot of super pressing issues. And the way that he handles them is very mature and interesting. I like how he handles being the avatar, how he handles all of the conflicts that arise in the series, his personal beliefs and his sense of duty and purpose. He's great. I love him. Yeah. Well, and honestly, when he ran away and ended up, you know, in the ice block, I really don't blame him. First of all, the monks, like when it goes later into that flashback of of the lead up of him, it wasn't right. It wasn't like he just learned that he was Avatar and ran away. Like they were going to take him away from his mentor, Monk Gyatso, because they felt he was holding him back and try to like make his avatar process go much faster than it needed to be which it ended up happening anyway but they did it in a way that wasn't understanding to him as a person and wasn't letting him take responsibility or accept that he was the avatar and that was really sad and i understand why ang as 12 years old felt that the only option was to run away because he didn't see 
how it was how else to handle that situation and and it also is very true to the airbending nature like i really love what boomy avoid, says yeah avoid and evade yeah that that that's the nature of an airbender is to to do those things and and i think we see that a lot in ang's character oh absolutely yeah and um it's actually interesting uh that you brought up the storm um ang throughout a good portion of his life felt very alienated um by by the air nomads um there was a in the extras that i i talked about earlier the producers mentioned that by the age of six ang was a far superior airbender to all of his fellow yeah air well nomads. i think it's pretty obvious and, and by the age of 10 he had surpassed his masters as well um we don't see him often demonstrate very powerful airbending like techniques yeah and i think that's just due to his nature but he is he is incredible and and we sort of see like especially when he is announced as the avatar we see him be more excluded from his peers uh even even to the extent that he has invented this new technique and given them the gift of like this this free moving form that they can turn into a game and they reject him for it because he's the avatar now and it's simply unfair and perhaps it was the straw that broke the camel's back or something along those lines but you know um it's it's interesting to to look at the air nomad culture as a whole like ang has biological parents that are not air nomads um i think about that a lot i'm most like most of the air nomads are all like from other nations that and they're and basically as people are born into these powers they they come to the air nation uh, or they're recruited more or less. They're brought to these, you know, monasteries and temples. Is, is Wait, then how, how are they not air? I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea how maybe like there are people maybe, who don't choose that lifestyle. Maybe because that. there's, because there's like a certain spiritual element to bending. Maybe it's Perhaps. like something along the lines of, because that was severed from the world in a way that, yeah other it was it blocked other people from being able to have that ability the spirituality of this series is actually a really undersold concept um i i didn't always appreciate it as much as i as i do now the agreed sort of like the the buddhist teachings in a way Mm -hmm. and the idea the chi even in the in uh when going into the avatar state yeah when he when he consults with the guru um at the eastern air temple Um, yeah yeah western air temple western no no the western was later oh you're right i'm i'm getting my degree i'm getting my uh cardinal directions mixed up um yeah when he when he works with the guru that whole episode you know as a younger me i was like this is a really cool episode but as as i just recently rewatched it it's fascinating it's Mm -hmm. so cool to see this concept of enlightenment and the idea that one can achieve something greater than oneself by accepting the things about your life to understand your emotions and your feelings and to let them go Mm -hmm. um, and how the avatar needs to do these things um it's 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 very interesting i like that kind of stuff a lot yeah and as another comment on ang's character just as a person i think he's a really really strong person and really really powerful i mean he's able like we were saying like not just with airbending but i think with all the elements he is able to master them not that he's completely mastered everything by the end, but just that he does have this natural skill and ability. And it was really cool in that episode to see him go through these emotions so 
kind of easily. I mean, they were difficult, but he, he was able to kind of fast, like go through this because he's been taught well by the monks, how well, to, to handle mention, the spiritual side of himself. Not to mention a lot of the issues that he dealt with are things that we experienced earlier in the series. Um, you know, we see a lot of flashbacks of moments in the series where he has been confronted by these pains and how he has dealt with them specifically in those episodes and, yeah. and, more, and even more so how he deals with them in that moment and sort of uh, reaches the understandings of self-acceptance and, yeah. and his duty to the world. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's all very neat stuff. And yeah. I like that he, he recognizes his sense of duty above a lot of his personal purpose yeah um and it's 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 hard you know we really see him struggle a lot with the ideas of of letting things go and Mm -hmm. and all of the the rage and grief and self-doubt that he might feel um but actually something you said um about him being the most you know powerful like bender or whatever Mm -hmm. so the avatar a fully realized avatar is classified as the most powerful being on the planet um and avatar roku was in his prime literally the most powerful thing on the planet you know there was nothing that could stand up to him if he put his mind to it um and there were and a concept that we don't really see that much in the last airbender is that a fully realized avatar is often compared to um, a god or a deity and avatar roku was very much in that vein and we see we sort of see it a little bit you know with the with the fire temple um where there's a whole temple dedicated to avatar roku and the fire sages who keep this history and stuff and it's it's very fascinating to look at the series in that context there was um, a season one episode the firebending master i think is what it was called where ang met zhang zhang yeah. um a, a man who uh ran away from the the firebending or from the fire nation's armies um he was a former general and he was one of the most powerful firebenders in the world and he didn't want to teach ang because it wasn't ang's time but he had a vision of avatar roku and he bowed before avatar roku this this powerful and incredible being um, only to to come back to reality and see Aang standing in front of him, this child, and how it's interesting to sort of see this concept of a being who is enlightened and powerful is recognized as a godlike being, even though they're not. You know, right? It's it's very fascinating, and and I I've often said I don't see Aang in that light because we no, we're with him we're with him from the beginning, like we know who Aang is. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the in the final conflict of Aang versus Fire Lord Ozai, we see Aang enter the Avatar state and his chi becomes unblocked. And it is in that moment that we see Aang as a fully realized Avatar for the first time, capable yeah. of wielding all four elements with incredible power while still being in full control. And it is at that moment that literally the in the extras they talk about this. It is that exact moment that Aang becomes the most powerful firebender on the planet. He was Ooh. not up until that moment. Now, Fire Lord Ozai is undoubtedly the most powerful firebender in the world up until that very second that Aang becomes the fully realized avatar, then Aang surpasses him. Um, and wow. yeah, it's, it's amazing. Um, they talk about in the, 
in the fire temple episode where they're they're trying to go see the statue of um avatar roku uh that only the five fire sages or a fully realized avatar can open that special door with the dragon oh, right, heads. Right, 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 yeah. if you'll notice there are five dragon heads and it requires five of them in the finale of the show ang is capable of launching three massive or five massive fire blasts out at the same time and they all whip around like whips and stuff ozai in that same fight was only able to produce three at the same time wow uh, it's really Fuck interesting sex. it's really interesting to look at and think about um that like only a being capable of like i guess like because he can fly like he can also shoot them from his feet and actively control them and stuff uh whereas like a normal person would have to like jump and then do all five and like quickly do it and stuff but it's it's crazy it's really strange to think about the idea that this is all that concept but it wouldn't necessarily, I'm, I'm just asking for clarification, yeah. it wouldn't necessarily be Aang, it would be him in the Avatar state taking also from his past lives, right? Well, I, I don't think that there's a difference. Um, I be- okay. It is my belief Fair that a fully, a fully realized Avatar, one who's capable of going in and out of the Avatar state at will, is the same as them in or out of the Avatar state. Um like that's fair because oh okay okay so in um the last airbender sorry no, blah, 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 in cora yeah. haha, um in cora we see um ang in the future right yeah. and he when going quote unquote into the avatar state he glows for like a second and then is mm-hmm. like normal yeah. and same we see that with roku in a flashback during yeah and kiyoshi as well and also um the uh shoot uh karak uh the water avatar and also yang chen Ah. the 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 air avatar before him karuk i don't know i think his name is karuk um yeah like all of them like there's the glow and then they do this incredible technique um and so they're still connected spiritually because that's a part of who they are yes but it's it's a part of who they are so this is who that makes the way that that. they describe it is that when you're in the avatar state as a fully realized avatar having mastered all the elements and having that spiritual connection you are capable of you know controlling yourself actively in the avatar state it is my belief that while you're in your normal state you can also have incredibly enhanced bending as well as being a master um or perhaps you can draw on it without fully entering the avatar state or something along those lines. And so Aang is very much in that vein um, where he is the most powerful being in the world, like at this point um, and could do whatever the heck he wants. Yeah. 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 Um, um, so going back a little bit. So I, yeah. one of the things that I love about Aang is that, and you talk, you touched on this for like a second, is that he has this ability to both be a child, but also starts to realize what it means to be the avatar, right? Yeah. But he never loses this silliness, Absolutely this childishness. Not. Nope. And I love that, not just as Aang as a character, but the writing, just the way that this whole, whole series is written, just that they want to have the sense of humor, the silliness as a part of these really really dramatic and difficult things and i love that this is a part of the series and that they say that this is something that's important that when you're going through traumatic experiences when you're going through a war when you're going through something incredibly painful it's so you want to have it's okay to have these silly moments it's okay to have a sense of humor it's okay for Sokka to crack a joke for Toph to crack a joke for whoever you know because that's a part of to crack a joke ha 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 what a great joke on my part just there (laughs) 
um and and but i just love that in ang and it's interesting too because as the series goes on and he is growing more into his role and we see serious ang and we see silly ang and it's interesting when the gang gets into these moments and there's there's when we come to Sokka, there's something i want to talk about about who's really the leader is it Sokka ang is it really katara i don't know but one there i think katara argues that ang is the leader but in a lot of moments ang just wants ang like follows the silliness of like soccer or the silliness of soccer and top and like he's very much a jump on board kind of guy right he's in it for the fun like he just Mm -hmm. wants to do the joking silly thing and sometimes sometimes someone like katara has to pull him back he'll be like okay but we need to like take this seriously we gotta do something well so it's funny you bring that up um i was actually thinking about this today um I I, th- I think I said early, Ang's character arc is not massive. Like there is no big defining moment where he changes who he is in its entirety. Um, in fact, uh, bringing up Legend of Korra again, uh, we at one point Korra visits some food shop, uh, and the food the stall owner is some old guy, and he's like, "Oh my gosh, you're the Avatar! Can I take your picture with my picture box?" And she's like, yeah, sure. And he goes, you're the second Avatar to visit my store. Avatar Aang visited my store. And she goes, really? And he's like, yeah, I have a picture of it. And he holds up a picture and it's Aang doing his marble trick where he's like has the marbles <laughs> in the little circle of air as an adult. I love and Aang. It, for me, that is the pinnacle of who Aang is. He's a goofy, silly guy. He, he has a sense of duty. He has a sense of purpose. He cares so much about the world but he is just a fun-loving, natured individual. See, know? I'm curious about this meat shop because Aang's a vegetarian. No, 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 it wasn't. I don't think it was a meat shop. It was just Okay, because you said meat shop, and I no, was no, like, no. I think they uh... had, I think they had, like, some kind of cakes or something. I don't know. Um, uh, but, yeah, it was, it's, it's funny, you know, that Aang is, Aang pretty much always is that same kid in the iceberg to an extent. Um, he very much gets swallowed up by these huge important issues and he starts caring far more about his culture and and the the nature of the world as the series progresses but i don't think we ever see him lose his his innate nature as who he mm-hmm. is yeah um, he do, he and i get love that off. i feel like yeah and i feel like it'd be so easy for him to do that i mean he has a lot of pressure under him to learn all the elements to fight uh fire lord ozai to do all these things and that's a lot of pressure. And the fact that he's able to keep it together, I think is partially because he holds on to who he is. And I think that that also sprouts from what he learned from the monks and from specifically Gyatso. Yeah. Because he's like, this is who I am and I'm not going to change that. I will take it seriously. I will do the work. But I also am this person who is silly and loves fun. And like, I love in the, even like in the, I don't know, second or third episode when he goes penguin sledding with Katara. Second and episode. she's like, second episode no no actually that was the first episode yeah was the first episode really Yeah, because the second episode is after they get off the ship all right well anyways but i just love the line where she's like i haven't done this since i was a kid and he's like you You still still are a kid kid. and i'm like uh it hits me in the heart every time well yeah because it's it's crazy you know these characters are young and they've got the fate of the world on their shoulders i know it's nuts all of them Mm -hmm. and it's for real like oh my gosh sorry that reminded me of the episode this i think this is my favorite episode the dream sequence where ang's like freaking out before he can't sleep just before the invasion 
Right, and he's like Sokka's being... Dreams and Nightmares, I think is what yeah, it's called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Sokka's being like his counselor or whatever, and he's just... Uh, uh, Aang's like, I just like the whole weight of the world's on my shoulders, and Sokka's like, oh, it feels like that sometimes. And I'm like, Sokka, you fool. Like, he literally does. Like, mm-hmm. literally has... Uh, it's so good. It's such good writing. Yeah, and, you know, and he, I think even in that same episode, he goes on, he's like... I think Katara is trying to comfort him and she goes, you know, I understand. He's like, no, you don't. None of you understand. Uh, like it's, it's incredible to think about how much he's going through in that right. series and how much he has to do with it. And um, it's, it's just, it's amazing. And honestly, uh, you know, I want to briefly compare it to a different series, Steven universe. Um, there's a moment, this is a, it's not really a huge spoiler, but there's a moment where, um, he and Connie are talking about some issues and Connie recently went through some traumatic experience. She accidentally hurt someone without meaning to, she just wasn't in control of herself and she felt awful about it. And it was a really big deal for her. And they talked things out and they communicated and they, they fixed everything and they were able to resolve this, this conflict they, they were having. And Steven accepts this, that this happened and that she, that they're okay. But meanwhile, he has all these massive, horrifying, pressing concerns on his mind and in his heart that he fears and is just, he's drowning in this this big burden that he has. And in a way, it made me think, you know, Avatar made me think of this, where we see Aang and he helps people and he's there for people who need him, but he's struggling and he doesn't know how to find an answer or what mm-hmm. he should do a lot of mm-hmm. the time. And I like seeing the, the relationship that he has between his people's culture and the avatar and what he's meant to be. And yeah. that, that really sort of comes to a head um, in, in more or less the, uh, the, the finale of the show. Right. He doesn't want to take the Fire Lord's life. Right. And he's very much struggling with this issue. And, it, and we've sort of been leading up to it before this point. Right. And he he doesn't know what to do. And he's reaching out to everyone. And he goes, there has to be another way. Maybe we could glue bend. Um, <laughs> and, and Honestly, I, I want to know if that's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I imagine you probably got, could, yeah. We got sand bending. We got swamp bending. We got glue bending. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, yeah I, I could talk all day about that kind of stuff. But, um, <laughs> but even, you know, every single character is of the opinion, listen, he's evil put him down you know this is for the sake of the world and we see you know and go on this spirit quest where he consults with the past avatars and roku is apologetic he's like i'm sorry but this needs to be done i should have done it and i didn't and now it falls to you and i'm sorry for that kiyoshi obviously is like kill that man take him down i hate kiyoshi honestly i don't hate kiyoshi i think uh, she drives fun. me crazy people call kiyoshi like a murderer and stuff absolutely not like she is... I, no i don't call her a murderer i just don't like her personality oh sure she's she's very frank and upfront and blunt and just she's an earthbender i mean that's she, that's what she is an um and uh and kuruk uh basically just says you need to be more on top of stuff and yang chen is really his big source of inspiration where she goes she's an air nomad and they're talking about it and this is really where ang comes to the conclusion as yang chen goes the teachings of the air nomads are very important and you're very wise for trying to follow them however Mm -hmm. you're the avatar 
and your sense of right and wrong pales in comparison to the fate of the world. Right. And you just need to do what needs to be done. There's no other choice. Um, and it's, and that is the moment that he accepts it. That, right. you know, it is coming from another air nomad, you know, this wise woman that he really comes to the conclusion, I don't have a choice. Like, it needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Actually, what? not unrelated. Okay. <laughs> I just randomly happened to think of this. The progression of avatars that we see is man, woman, man, woman, man, woman. Do you think that's on purpose? Oh, really? Yeah, because it's Yang Chen, then Kuruk, then Kyoshi, then Roku, then Aang, then Korra. I never thought about that. I love that. I never thought about that. That's really interesting. Um, I never thought about that either. Weird. Yeah, that is weird. I bet that has to be on purpose. Well, we should, we'll have to go back to the episode where they have the statues. (laughs) Well, the the statues, I don't think the statues are in order. And also. Oh, I thought they were. uh, They might be, but I, I, I think I saw a reason that they might not be. I don't remember. Um, also, it's it's really hard to tell. I don't know, but um, yeah, the inner the inner turmoil with Aang throughout the series is very interesting. Uh, but more than that, I really enjoy his walk into enlightenment and the relationships that he builds with people, and as he's and, and that self struggle. I really like when characters have an inner struggle that that is bigger than them. I like I like hero characters who have a hard time with the burden that they have to bear, whether that's from this task is literally just too big for me or I know the solution, but I don't know if I should do it. Yeah. Okay. Hold on. Hold that thought. We'll come back to that. Cause I, I have another thought on that, but wait, going back to what we were just talking about, <laughs> then if, 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 okay. The water tribe yeah. doesn't let women learn bending. Uh, no, no, so uh, what would- Attack bending. Attack bending. Sure. So what would they have done if, if the avatar really died and then the next one is literally a female avatar of born... the northern tribe? Right. What would they do? They wouldn't train her? They wouldn't think, train the avatar? I think they would have to make an exception. But then, then why have the rule at all? Alright, we'll come back to that later. It's fine. That's, that's a Katara conversation. <laughs> but man, oh man, that makes me mad. Because that doesn't make any... That's just... Oh, uh, I no, just no. want to know how the sexism like, started. That's what born, I wanted. She would be born a swamp bender. It's fine. Uh, oh my gosh, that would be amazing. Gosh, could you imagine? <laughs> that would be so funny. That would be really funny. Anyways, be nuts. Anyways, um, okay, but yeah, going back to this, yeah. So I love, I love that in in Ang that he's searching for this answer. He's like, I do not find this to be a just solution to kill. Fire Lord Ozai. And I'm really on board with Aang. I think that that's a really wise choice. He respects all life. That is a core part of who he is. Like we said, we know he knows who he is and he follows that. So I love that he's like pursuing this answer and finally gets to the point where he's like, okay, I, I, then I guess I have to kill him. Like, I guess that there is no other option. And then a freaking lion turtle is like, no, you don't have to kill him. I love the theme in this episode that, that the writers are like, when you are searching for a just answer, you will find it. Like, it does not mm-hmm. have to be what everyone's telling you to do. And the fact that Aang was so distraught about it, yeah. that it came to the point that a lion turtle felt called to Aang that no one knew existed. And 
told him, brought him to the place where Ozai would be and taught him, you can take away his bending, that yeah. that is a just punishment. The, by and, the way, the formal, the formal term for that is energy bending. Ooh, okay. Because okay. you, you bend another's energy. Right. What they announce it as. Nice. So, yeah, I mean, I just, I really, I, I love that. I think that that's a really powerful mm-hmm. lesson to learn. And I love that Aang learned it. Well, and actually, so uh, this this is a spoiler for people who have watched the entire show. If you have not read the Avatar The Last Airbender comics that are canonical. Which I have not, so he's going to spoil it for and me. And take place after the series. I won't, this isn't a major spoiler, but uh-huh. they actually bring up the issue of, is it right to take away another person's bending? Um, there, they, you know, the comics talk a lot about issues that sort of come up in Korra with the idea of benders versus non-benders, of humans versus spirits, of um, multiple nations existing together in potential harmony? Question mark. Um, but one of the <laughs> one of the issues that comes up with benders versus non-benders is there's this big conflict, and the leader of the benders in this conflict wants to drive everyone out and get rid of everyone and believes that benders are simply superior to non-benders and everyone believes that ang should take away this person's bending and he can't decide if he should or not and katara reaches out to ang and says my bending is a part of who i am it's a part of my culture and it's me that's who i am i am a waterbender and she doesn't know if it's right to just take away this person's spending just because Aang doesn't approve of this person's actions. Right. You know, there has to be some other form of restraint, you know. It, he can't just take away the bending of anyone who ever does anything wrong, you know what I mean? Right. Um, and it's interesting. It's a, really, it's a really neat concept to see them struggle with this, this passive solution, or this, this pacifist solution to the problem that sort of was Ang was struggling with for most of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this, this amazing solution that is this brilliant result of all these spinning plates and a gorgeous moment of animation in mm-hmm. the history of the show and mm-hmm. just the perfect solution that everyone kind of didn't know they wanted but appreciated all the same. Mm-hmm. And we see it happen and all this goes down. And, but it raises questions, you know what I mean? Right, it, it definitely does. It brings up more stuff. That, and I think, I think that that's a very healthy approach. I think that for everything that happens in a series, there should be some sort of reaction or consequence uh, or, or consideration that takes place as a result of it. Well, and we see some of the consequences of that too in Korra, you know, that oh, Amon yeah. takes away people's bending for real. And the fact that, I mean, I, I don't this even is, know... I, I don't get too spoilery with, uh, I you know this isn't a legit Cora podcast. It's fine. I, don't I mean, too late. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> uh, uh, now I don't know what to say. Oh no, no. Go for it. it's fine. No, no, no. Ignore me. Um, all of Cora. Do it now. Well, specifically season one. Um, but I mean, would but would would Amon even have had the ability to like realize that that was an option if Ang hadn't done it first? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like, people wouldn't have even thought that that was a thing, I feel like. Yeah, they wouldn't have thought it possible. So they wouldn't have sought out a way to do it to others. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, it's just really interesting. That wasn't too spoilery, so you're welcome. I mean, it's, it's interesting um, 
there's there's a lot I could go into about the history of what the avatar is and what bending is and mm-hmm. and the discrepancies between the last airbender and legend of korra because there are right. a lot of differences in in sort of the lore of the universe right um and i think that one makes more sense than the other um but it's it's interesting because both of them make sense contextually given different different reasons uh and Aang's ability to take away bending, to my knowledge, does not mean that future generations descended from that person are unable to bend. Mm-hmm. So if Fire Lord Ozai had more children, it's possible that they would become firebenders. That makes sense. Yeah. But, well, it, it does and it doesn't for certain reasons, but it's interesting to think about. Another but it's still point. it's still in the bloodline. I mean, his his grandfather was able to, or sorry, well, or Ozai's father was able to firebend, and like you get genes from your grandparents too. No, absolutely, absolutely. But it's I think it's more important to recognize that bending is a genetic trait. Um, you cannot become a bender unless your like genealogy has a bender in it, and that doesn't mean you'll always become a bender. Um, in fact, uh, the reason that Fire Lord Ozai married his wife was because she was avatar Roku's descendant. And it was prophesied to him by the fire sages that a children, a child of their union would become an incredibly powerful firebender. Azula. Um, she was a, she is a prodigy. Yeah. Um, and uh, demonstrated not only by her skill and fierceness, but also by her blue flames, something right. that is hardly ever seen in any firebenders. Right. As they burn hotter um it's it's interesting it's really neat um but that's that's a whole different that's a whole different bag of fish uh that yeah. i'm not going to get super into because i could talk about that for hours as well <laughs> so um, true but i um, will say as one last note for ang yeah um one thing i want to say too is that something interesting in this series is that i think that the world both for ang and for cora is so more messed up than I think we saw it for Roku and Kyoshi and others because because the world had been out of balance for so yeah. long. Oh yeah. I think and I think that that's a really interesting thing that's not explicitly said but you can see in the series and that's why I think Aang and Korra have such a hard time with so many different things because the world is just I, the point of the avatar is to keep the world in balance. And we lost an avatar for a hundred years, had a war for a hundred years, and didn't have a whole element in the world for a hundred years. That is, I mean, it caused so much chaos and repercussions um, into the world. And I think that that's a really interesting thing, that they didn't just blow over the fact that those things impacted the world. It was like, no, there there are so many repercussions. There are lasting consequences. Yeah. And I think that that's a really interesting thing. And I'm glad that, um, although the series doesn't say explicitly, it's a part of the series because that should matter. It should matter that the Avatar wasn't there for 100 years. Like if, if the Avatar is what it's supposed to be, literally to keep balance in the world, like if you believe that, then it makes sense that the world is so out of whack 100 years later and that there's so much um, chaos and that this war is so bad. Um, and that, and you see it in each one of the characters we're going to talk about too, and and in more than we even are, they have are dealing with serious loss and grief. Like they've lived in a war their entire life. That is that is difficult, and it causes people to have a really hard stories. And it's because of this war, because the world was out of balance for so long. Yeah, it's. 
I mean, it's just the state of any world that people will always have issues and there will always be a bad guy. But I think that one of the biggest appeals for Avatar The Last Airbender as a series is that there is one big problem and one big bad guy. And and even as we get into like season three, like you see people in the Fire Nation have issues. Like there are problems in everywhere in the world as a result of this war. And Aang especially um, notices these things. And he, it's it's him who it's, speaks. It's in every nation though. Oh, every yeah. nation has issues. And I think that's part of why this, like why the world's out of balance or not why the world, sorry it's a part of the effects of the world being out of balance is yeah. that we we have these nations that aren't functioning right we have the sexism in the northern water tribe and a southern water tribe that's not thriving at all and we have an earth kingdom like bossing say that's literally being controlled by this other person not by the king himself and the king mm. doesn't even know the war exists yeah it's crazy and, and, and we have it's, so it's... Many, Themes of losing people losing hope too. Sorry. Yeah, but it's Aang who constantly reminds everyone that that anyone is capable of good and evil. Right. Who you know, as as other characters, as we learn the history of Roku and Fire Lord Sozin, um, that you know the others in the group say, "Gosh, all Firebenders are terrible." And Aang right. goes, "No, that's not the case. Anyone right. is capable of good or evil." Um, and as he as he cares, he legitimately cares about people and wants everyone to be happy and okay. And I really do appreciate that um, about the series that he he often sees the two sides to the coin. It's not just a blind of like, oh, just all Firebenders are evil. And that's more demonstrated by our second talking point. Zuko. Oh, wait, hold on. Actually, I think it's Why really. No, I'm transitioning. I know, I know, but I think it's really displayed by Sokka because Sokka is a warrior and he's someone who's lived in this war his whole life. And you see him. I think in him especially this black and white nature that evil is evil and good is good. And that I think from him we see a lot of that. All firebenders are evil. All fire, you know, like all of this, like all firebending and firebenders are evil and bad and all this stuff and and that's when we see no that's not true like Sokka you're, you're trying bud like and he goes through so much learning but anyways yeah yeah we could talk about him when it's his turn but it's right his. now it's Zuko's turn actually we will not be talking about Zuko well at least not yet in fact the Zuko conversation will not be coming out until next week for our second episode as you know, the episode you listened to today was about Aang, and after we talk about Zuko, we will have just one more episode for Avatar The Last Airbender, where we will discuss the remaining characters in the show. After that, we will move on to the next geeky chapter of character canon, which I will announce right now is Lore Olympus. This story is a webtoon revolving around a somewhat modern-day Hades and Persephone. I highly, highly, highly recommend reading this, even if, if you've never read Webtoons. Just download the Webtoon app and search up Laura Olympus. Each episode is short, and season one was just completed a couple of weeks ago. The art in this Webtoon is to die for, and the story is so beautifully written. If you like Greek mythology at all, or even just an adorable love story with real and raw characters, I suggest you give it a read. And on the plus side, you will then get to hear Matt and I discuss the characters in just a few short weeks. But for today, it's time to say goodbye. So thank you for joining Matt and I and listening to us dive headfirst into our overactive literary minds. 
If you too want to be a part of these geek out conversations, please feel free to connect with us either by following us at Character Canon on Twitter or emailing us at charactercanon at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Send us your questions, thoughts, suggestions, and why you think Matt and I are utterly wrong about everything. We may just be a rambling sibling duo, but we also care about connecting with all of you. So until next time, peace out and keep up your glorious geeky attitude.